peace of Christ to you all. You know, one of my uh, favorite little sayings is that uh, we plan, you know, and God laughs. And uh, this week was certainly the case of that, as I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, a number of things that we've changed and added. And, um, you know, the the, uh, passage that we were planning to, uh, even up until Wednesday, um, is, was thrown out and we started with a whole new plan because you know last uh, you know Sunday was July 4th weekend and you know, rest and celebration and um, just uh, in, it's enjoying that until pow 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 interrupted our week with fear and anger and racism and hatred and killing after killing, and uh, an insidious evil that will not go away, a real, historical, demonic evil that's been part of our nation since the beginning, and Jesus has not exercised it from us yet, has, has not removed that demonic power within us. As a people. And so, the passage we have is a good one. It was a good sermon. One of these days, we'll get to it. But it just didn't work. Wasn't in my soul at all. And so I went to look. Well, you know, I want to stay in Luke. That's what we're walking through during uh, this summer. And so, just started reading, and, and really, this is the next passage. This is the, the next one that, 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 that captures, I think, what's appropriate. One of the ways it's appropriate to consider the, the events of the last week and the events of the last several years. The events of centuries. The responsibility that Jesus gives to the church. The urgency that Jesus gives to the church. The, the gifts and, and resources that God has entrusted to the church. Jesus speaks to those and, and calls the church out saying, it's, it's urgent. The, the battle is real. It's now. And you've been entrusted. We've been entrusted, he says, now to use all of those gifts for his redeeming purposes, for His love, for His justice, for His righteousness, for His peace, for His shalom, for His kingdom. To be about God's way of life. And that's, that's what He gets. And He's surgeon's general warning here. This is not Jesus meek and mild in this passage. This, this is Jesus that goes to the core of giving all that we are to Him. So Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 35, found on page 847 in your pew Bible. Or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, 
We, we ask now that your spirit would speak to us, that you would fill us with the, what we need to, to hear and, and the, to recognize what, what you're calling us to, each one of us and to us as a church, to celebrate your calling, to celebrate those gifts and to, as we've just been singing, give them all to you for, for your bidding, for the, the work of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right, Luke chapter 12, starting with verse um, 35. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. All right, just to stop there. Um, this, this opening sentence is, is really uh, it's, uh, three different metaphors that are saying the same thing that are trying to communicate the urgency of the moment and, and the call for the church to be ready at, at every step to do what God's calling us to do. You know, it's a, so be dressed for action. You know, put on your uniform. You know, um, buckle up your chin straps because the, the battle is upon us. Um, be like those, um, or it says, have your lamps lit. Now, in, in, in Jesus' day, to light your lamps was a whole lot more than just flipping a switch or programming how your smart lights is when to come on and come and, and turn on and turn off. The lights, the lamps in Jesus' day, you had to trim the wicks. You had to keep trimming them. You had to be sure there was fuel in the lamps. And, and when they would go out, you, you had to relight them. So you, you had to, to be overseeing them all the time. And so if the master wasn't going to come home till 3 in the morning, that meant you had to be awake until 3 in the morning to be sure the lamp would stay lit. Yeah? And then the, the, the final thing that he says is, and you want to be like a, a servant who's waiting. You're, you're waiting at the entryway. And when the master comes back from the wedding banquet that he's been to, and it's late into the night, you're right there so that when he reaches for the door, you're there to open it up and welcome him home. Be ready. That, that's the, the, the call that he has. Be alert. There is an urgency to this task. The, the devil doesn't take a day off. He's going to be at work proposing evil at every turn. He's going to be at work opposing the glory of God at every turn. He will be at work to destroy life, to kill, steal, and destroy. And the good news is, God doesn't take a day off either. You know, that He is always at work in His people, in and through them, leading them to carry out His work of justice and righteousness and peace his kingdom, you know, his shalom. And that's what Jesus is telling us. You know, be ready. Blessed, verse 37 now. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten the belt and have them sit down to eat. And he will come and serve them. Did you hear that? I mean, the master, when he finds the slaves, having done what, he was, what they said they were going to do while he was gone, he's going to flip it. 
And the master becomes the servant, and the servants become the guests of honor at this banquet feast. I mean, what, what he's saying, the, the why that he's saying, listen, always be ready, always be alert, you know, get on your mark, get set, go, be doing what Jesus wants you to do all the time because you're in this battle, you're either playing with Jesus, or you're playing with the devil, there's no middle ground. And when it comes to it, when it comes to that day, then there will be a great award banquet. And the master will become the servant. And we will be the guests of honor. And we will no longer just, just be celebrating what Jesus has done for us. We'll be celebrating what Jesus has done in us and through us. And Jesus is the master of ceremonies, handing out awards to all who are there, who have followed him. That's what it says. Do you look forward to that award banquet to come when we're with Jesus and He's pointing out, man, let me show you what I did in and through you in ways that you brought about the kingdom, ways that you led to justice in real ways, ways that you shared this good news and you lived this good news, ways you were praying for people, ways you were sacrificing for the good of others, ways that you stepped out in the name of Jesus. And he celebrates that. The master becomes the servant. And we become the guest of honor. Now, verse 38. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. Yeah, so, so sometimes, yeah, I... Sometimes there, there, there's going to be work that, that Jesus calls us to. That he's, are you ready to do it? You're, you're ready to, to do what I'm calling you to do. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be on Tuesday afternoon around 1.30-ish. I like that time. That's a convenient time for me. I finished lunch. You know, it's already sort of digested. I'm ready now. I can, I'll serve you now, Jesus, around 1.30. Especially if it's inside and it's air conditioned. There's sometimes that Jesus says, No, it's two fifteen in the morning. And you gotta get up. And it's time for you to do the work that I've called you to do, and it's hard work. That's what we're in right now. This is this is not two thirty on Tuesday afternoon. This is two thirty in the morning. On Monday morning. Or for me, Sunday morning. You know, that, that, that's what we're, when we're talking about this kind of insidious evil, when we're talking about this kind of violence, this kind of killing, and generational curses of racism and slavery and seg- forced segregation, of which the church hasn't always opposed and at times and in ways has been totally a part of. That's what time it is. You know, two in the morning. To, to live out the way of Jesus. All right, verse 39. But know this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. 
Now, understand this about these parables. They, they, oftentimes they have one point. And often if you read the parable, Jesus will explain it. He'll tell you what the meaning of the parable is. And now he's telling you the meaning of the parable is always be ready. Be alert. Be in tune to what Jesus is doing and jump on in with what he is doing. You are not saved just to float through life. We, we were saved, we were part of a church in order to be called by Jesus to do His work in the world in real ways, to pursue His shalom, His justice, His righteousness, His grace. So be ready. It's not like, you know, it tells the story sort of like, well, what you need to do is be ready, is you need to figure out when Jesus is coming back. And when He's coming back, then you want to be doing stuff that's good. It's like I said, you know, Jesus isn't on vacation. He's with us right now. I mean, he's saying, Jesus is with you all the time. You're his servant all the time. Walk with him now. This is the stuff that lasts. This is the stuff that receives the rewards. If you're about keeping score, well, this is how you score points if that's important to you. This is what the award banquet is about. Ways that Jesus has worked in and for us. And he wants us to know that. He wants that day to be a day of celebration. It's not a way we earn our salvation. We're, we're saved by Him. It's what He has done. But there is, and as we read on, you'll see it even more clearly, the opportunity of celebrating what God has done in and through us in our lives. And there's an urgency to it. An urgency to it. It's now. It's here. It's in, in life. Donna Pestinger. One, a deacon here in, in the church, she, she's the one that preached to me a couple weeks ago about this. And actually, it was a gathering of officers of the church, deacons and elders and staff. And we were gathering on a Saturday morning for like our, it's a mid-year, a June sort of re- retreat where we just gather with one another. And, and as we were, we were talking before the whole group, Donna, who's fighting all kinds of diseases, um, you know, some, she was here this morning, but a couple Sundays ago she was in the hospital. You just don't know if she's going to show up or not. She just, you know, leukemia in the brain and all other kinds of illnesses. She was here, but like I said, here, here this morning. And she just said, she told us, you know, it is a gift to be this close to death. Okay. Because you know the urgency of the moment, she said. It's a gift. And she went on to tell us a couple stories, you know. It's a gift, you know. When something comes to my mind and I know that that's the right thing to do, I go do it. You know, a couple weeks ago, it was 2 in the morning, and I woke up, and this family came to mind. They need some cookies. They need, they need me to come and support them and, and to help them and just to love them because they're going through a really hard time. So, you know what she did at 2 in the morning? She woke up. She went down to the kitchen, and she started making cookies. Pray for Richard, her husband, you know, <laughs> who, who, you know, who's trying to help. Uh, part of that. But she's like, you know... That's the, that's the urgency of the moment. When she runs into her neighbors, she talks to them about Jesus and invites them to church. She goes, hey, we got a great church. Why don't you bring your family and, and come come on? You know, and she's not worried or scared about it. And if they, if they don't come, she's not hurt by that. She doesn't have time to argue. She just wants to invite them. And if they come, great. If they don't, well, that's all right. She's got to move on to the next people. There's this sense of urgency that she has that Jesus calls his people to. And she's already planned her funeral. Called me the other day. You know, she hadn't, the date isn't set. But the funeral is. 
What? Who, who's going to do what? And I'm like, as an aside, that's a really good idea. Everybody should plan uh, their funeral. We, we may not use Donna's in, for another decade. Let's pray we don't. But we'll, we'll use it eventually. Unless Jesus comes back before she dies, and then we won't care. Now, so, but that's that sense of urgency that she had. And a freedom. To be that close to death. And, and of which also she says, you know, the other thing is, is I know that death is the pathway to seeing Jesus face to face. And I'm excited about that, she said. So there is an urgency to us being engaged in the battle. Being engaged in the battle of the kingdom of God today. Right, well, then Peter, um, he, verse 41, he, he jumps in and he says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? You know, Peter's one of the disciples, one of the guys that's following after Jesus, right? And so he goes, Jesus, are you telling that for us, you know, like us, you and me, people here, people that are following after Jesus? Or, or are you telling that for everybody, people that follow you or people that don't? And Jesus, as he regularly does, does not answer a yes and no question with a yes or a no. He responds with another story, another parable himself. And he tells Peter this. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Basically, what that means is he's saying, This is for you. This is for people who claim to be followers of Jesus. For us. He's telling this parable for us. Not for people that don't know Jesus, but for people that do. Because he's saying, you have been entrusted. We have been entrusted with resources, with gifts, with different abilities, with time and energy. And those things are to be used according to the master's plan. People that don't know Jesus have no clue of that. But people that do understand that that's the reality, that we are stewards. I mean, there, there is nothing that I have that I have earned. Everything I have is a gift from God. It is the work of God in, in my life. The privilege and, uh, of being a, a white male born in the South to an affluent family who led me into uh, education. I had absolutely nothing to do with that. Matter of fact, I fought it a lot. That's, all of that has to do with a gift from God. I had absolutely nothing to do with being born into parents who, who loved me and were, provided a stable environment for me. All of that is just simply gift from God that now... This is entrusted to you to be used for his kingdom. All right, but he goes on. Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. See, here's the reward again. What what he's saying, you know, and he says in other places, if you're faithful with little, then then you'll be given much. Again, this is the the reward of that award ceremony of of being with with Jesus. And and looking back at your life and and him saying, man, look at that, that was awesome. 
when, when, when you did that. That was awesome. When, when, when you let me live through you in that way. But you know, the other side of awards and rewards and the celebration of those times that we look forward to, the other side of that is judgment. And, and so Jesus continues on. Verse 45, but if that slave says to himself, my master is delayed in coming. And if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. told you, I gave you the Surgeon General's warning already. And, and remember, he's talking to us. He's, he's talking to, to people who hang around with Jesus. Now, I want you to see, I mean, everything about this, this sentence is stark and harsh to the nth degree. I mean, it's not like they just sort of flittered around. It's what these people did is they took the gifts that God had given them and they used them for the exact opposite purpose that Jesus had come to earth. Remember back in Luke chapter 4, well, Jesus told us why he came. He gave us his mission statement that he's come right to release the oppressed. Uh, to give freedom to those that are in prison, to bring sight to the blind, to bring good news to the poor, to, to begin the work of God's kingdom. That's why Jesus came. And this story here is one who does the very opposite. He uses the gifts that God has given them to oppress people, not to free them. He, he doesn't use them in order to glorify God. He uses them to satisfy his own personal desires and wants and needs. And in so doing, abuses the gifts that God has given. And then Jesus says, and so if that's the case, then you'll be cut into pieces. Now, if the... You, you, the, the Greek in that word, it's really one word, and what it really means is to cut him into pieces. Yeah, you, you wanted another one, didn't you? So did I. I looked. I studied on that one. Sorry, there's no way to look at it but to say that's what Jesus said. And that's how harsh judgment is. And that to be separated from God, to be in the presence only of evil, is worse than being cut in pieces. But get this, and, and what Jesus lays out here too is how there, there's, there is a gradation here. You know? there, there's there's a, a, a sense of movement here of this, this judgment and these awards. Verse 47. That slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. Saved, but as Paul says actually in Corinthians, saved but as through fire. Like one who's saved from a burning house, who looks back and sees that his house and all that was in it is destroyed, but he's saved. 
This isn't my words. These are Jesus' words. You, 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 we got trouble with this. I did too. I was arguing with Jesus all day. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Yeah, so what... Well, let me just finish, because then Jesus summarizes it. He tells us what he means. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. So that's his point. See, when he tells parables, he didn't explain. This is it. Some people are given much, and so therefore much is required. Some people are given a little, and little is required. There's an understanding in that reward and judgment. In that day. I mean, Jesus tells another parable, very similar, and it may be familiar to some of you, the parable of the talents, you know, where he gives some people two, some five, you know, some four, and the, the judgment, their rewards are according to how many they had, what they were given to begin with, and then what they did with them. And so what Jesus hits at here, whereas at the beginning it's about urgency, here it's about responsibility. He, he has saved us. He has entrusted all of this to us for responsibility now to live and live it out. Let's, let's think about that just as a church. Just as a, a community of believers in our 160 some odd year history. What a legacy that God has built of what God has done in and through this particular church. Uh, a legacy we're going to celebrate and see hear a little bit more about when we hear from the Callisons, Greg and Chris, who are you know, working for the work of the church in Iraq. It was a part of this church even into the 70s. The, the resource that is God has entrusted here, the, whether it's the building, whether it's the people, or whether it's the maturity of the people here. Hadn't just done that so that we can be a nice church, but he's done that so that we have to carry that responsibility into the world. And that sometimes it means we've got to get up at 2.30 in the morning. And our calling today, given the situations in our nation, that's why our calling to be a multicultural congregation is so important. But it's a 2.30 in the morning calling. And let's think about it. We're, we're still in the midst of it. We're still in the midst of, of, of racism and all that it brings about and hatred and fear and all that it brings about as a nation. It's not something that has a simple solution. We're still in the midst of prejudice and, and inequality and violence. But yet God has called us as a community of Jesus followers who are very different to lock arms, to connect in that way, and to join in the battle and to lead the fight for racial reconciliation and true freedom for all. To lead into the, the, that beloved community, that shalom, that we know will be heaven. That's what we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's leading us into. I mean, it's like the Esther 
or, or Joseph, if you remember their stories, people who've been put in positions of influence with resource, and they're there not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the world around them. Now, I'm just mention this just a, just a little bit, um, just for a moment. You see it in your hot off the press. You know, we're we're thinking about, or we are going to engage in a capital campaign. We still got some details to work out. That capital campaign isn't about us. A capital campaign is making excellent the resource that God has used and marshalling that so that this building can be used for this kind of mission. For the work that he's calling us to do at 2.30 in the morning. And at 1.30 on Tuesday. Get to do a little both. Uh, it's enough about the, the capital campaign. You'll be hearing about that plenty. But we've been given much. And so much is required. One great example of that legacy of the resource was um, a privilege that I had um, uh, to participate in some the other uh, this last week. And that was to go to camp, up at Camp uh, Ketubik. Great example. Of a legacy of camp that's been going on for decades. And ways that you bring adults and you bring youth and you bring children. And each one is pouring into the other the ways of Jesus. Disciples, making disciples and living that out with one another. Been going on for decades. And, 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 today, and it continues today. And it continues today in all different kinds of people. I mean, we had poor. We had rich. We had dark. We had light. And we had all that were in between seeking to follow after Jesus together. And it's a beautiful expression. A taste. Just a little rending of the veil to see the ways of heaven. And it's a great way for those who have been given all kinds of resource to learn and to understand and to know that resource is not for just their benefit. That resource is so that you might benefit the kingdom. And for those who in the world's eyes have little resource, have very little given to them, that they they are in a situation that you would call stark and poor, it's for them to hear, no, you got great resource in Christ Jesus. You, you're a child of the king. How does that resource now to be used? Not for yourself, but for the kingdom and for the glory of God. I mean, that, that's just a picture right now. You know, I can't wait till we get to be at that award banquet. And Jesus is going to bring pictures, maybe even some of them that you took, Sam. Some that Susan Cook took. He's going to take those pictures And he's going to say, look, look at what I was doing in and through you there. Man, let's celebrate that. Isn't that great? Look at what you were doing. Look how you were breaking down those barriers that the cross defeated. The world's brought up all kinds of barriers. There's all kinds of racism going on, not just in our country, all over the world. But we got to deal with the stuff that's right here on our streets. That's where we live. And Jesus is going to say, man, look at what you were doing. Look at how you were bringing people together, black and white, rich and poor. And and you were following after me together. Look at what happened. And he's going to show us. Look at the impact. You might not have seen it then, but let me show you. 
10 years down the road what you were doing. 20 years down the road. And man, what a celebration. The cake's going to be good. The drink is going to be awesome. The dancing and music's going to be just what I want. That, I can't wait till that celebration to come. That's, that, what a great example of recognizing. You know, and, and, and just because you weren't there, man, you helped pay for it. Those of you that generously give, that that costs a lot of money to do that. And you you participate in that. And and Jesus is going to invite you to the party and celebrate your your sacrifice. And and those of you that were praying regularly for the children and for the campers, you're going to be celebrated. You're going to get awards for that. That all that participate. And that's just one example. Now, when it <clears throat> for our our day, particularly around the ministry of racial reconciliation, to connect in Jesus no matter our differences, you know, to be arm in arm, interlocked with, with one another in this real life pursuit of God's goodness. Not just in a spiritual unity, but in a real physical unity also. And even even to marshal our resources and our legacy and position in place to lead others to do the same. To, to let the church the, lead the charge. To change the story of the church just standing by and watching or even participating in our brokenness. Let's just see. Let's see if God has indeed entrusted us with some of these resources and responsibility in order to truly lead the neighborhood, to lead the city, to impact the nation for the destruction of the generational curse and sin of racism, slavery, segregation, prejudice, and violence. Oh, let's just see if that's the case. Now, for me, as I consider this, I I have to stop and say, okay, what then are the resources that you've given me? What are the resources that are entrusted to me? One, as I mentioned already, I'm a a, a white male who is affluent. That right there automatically puts me in a privileged position. Not anything I did. Absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't feel guilty about it either. Some people, we talk about white privilege, they feel guilty. Why? What'd you do? To feel guilty is then we avoid the responsibility. I don't see it as a guilt, I see it as a responsibility now. That I've been given that position, that influence, that power. Now, how do I use that for the good of the kingdom? And the same is true for you, not just in that category, but in other categories. How have you been gifted? What resources are yours that Jesus has given you? And are you ready to use them like Jesus did? Remember what Jesus did with all his power? Philippians chapter 2. He did not count equality with God as something to be held on to, but he relinquished it. He released it in order that he might become a servant. And die for many. And so how do I... So if I don't, first, if I don't recognize the power and influence that I do have, I won't know how to give it away. But now that I recognize it, 
Now I know how to give it, that I'm called to give it away and to step into how to give it away. Now, I have to you know, recognize, too, that that, in case you still... Well, two examples for me of ways that I see um, my position of power, influence, and privilege. Um, two stats. One is the unemployment. Unemployment rate. Unemployment rate for the last 70 years. For the last... Or, I'm sorry, since the 70s. That's only as far as I could find it. There's uh, always been a discrepancy between whites and blacks in the unemployment. It's about double. The black unemployment rate's been double of white unemployment rate for 50 years. Now, you can look back into 2009, 2010, you know, that last sort of recession that was just, there was all kinds of upheaval and trouble and problems. You know, that, that the unemployment rate was 9.2% for whites then, and it was 16.8% for blacks. Today, or in June, the latest statistic I could find, it's 4.4% for white, and it's 8.4% for black. A couple things on that. You see the double and how it's there. But, you know, in some of the best of times, the black unemployment rate borders what we said was recession for whites five years ago. Now, just right there, it shows me my privilege. And one, other, one other one. In the city of Cincinnati, um, life expectancy for a black male is 63.8 years. For a white male in Cincinnati, it's 73.8 so that, that means, statistically, i got ten more years than Dennis. Now, he, 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 there's a part of him that's saying, oh, that means I could see Jesus sooner than you. But that's a responsibility, right, to use that well. And it's a responsibility in a real way to say, that needs to change. In, in heaven, those numbers are the same. And if we pray, our will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then it's a work of the church to follow after the kingdom of God to make those numbers the same. So, what does that mean for me? It's a white man today. It means one, I just need to, first I need to stop and listen. I need to understand what, how my black brothers and sisters experience such differences. I need to stop and, and listen there. And so today I'm going to go, and a couple of folks in my family are going to go down to the Black Lives Matter uh, event. Down at, uh, um, starts at District 1 Police. We walk to Washington Park. And go to that. I'm just going to, I'm just, just going to go and listen. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to lead anything. I'm just going to listen. I won't agree with everything that's said. I promise you that. The only time I agree with everything that's said is about right now. If I'm up here and it's Sunday morning. It's about the only time that I agree with everything that's said. But I do know this. I know that I'm wrong somewhere. I don't know where, or I wouldn't say it, but I, I think I'm right in everything that I say. But I also know that I'm wrong somewhere. Yeah, that's a spiral, huh? So I'm just going to go and listen. You know, um, next week is the NAACP, the National um, Association of Advancement of Colored People Convention in Cincinnati. 
It's our national convention. And one of our own made the front page of the paper. Did you see the paper this morning? Did you see Noah's picture? Noah Sherman's front page of the paper. Because it, we, um, I had the privilege of being able to counsel with him at camp um, for the three days that I was up there this week. We took care of fourth graders. That was, that was 2 o'clock in the morning kind of work, fourth graders. Love y'all, fourth graders. Love you to death. But you sleep weird and you smell funny. <laughs> but Noah, Noah is the state representative for the youth in college of Ohio at the, the national convention. And that's why he's on the, the front page. So, if you don't, I mean, I, I mean I rec- don't get me wrong. I recognize this is scary stuff. I did think about this. You know, I mean, people were shot by snipers at a Black Lives Matter. Last I checked, the Bible says that his love, Jesus' love, cancels all, conquers all fear. So that's part of what means going. It, it, I, there's no naivete here. So I recognize that's asking a lot. So maybe, maybe you want to just take a day and just go to the NAACP conference and just listen. For those of you that are same skin hue as me, a couple just ideas in the immediate time. There's a lot of work still to do. The first thing we got to do is just we got to listen and recognize the power and privilege and influence that we have. Now, and then we got to act with others, but we got to listen first. Now, for my black brothers and sisters, first, don't give up. Don't give up. Please keep talking. Please share your stories. Tell me and others like me how different it is to grow up in the same Cincinnati because of the color of your skin. Keep telling me those stories. I know you get tired. I know it's hard. I can't imagine the emotional energy that you have to just expend to be that kind of bridge. But for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his kingdom, and continue to help us and work alongside us to fight for reconciliation, but don't let us just stop at some kumbaya reconciliation. Let's keep talking, keep working to a real equality. And and here's where I want to maybe push some of you. To maybe, uh, there's nothing scheduled that I know of right now, but maybe there will be a Blue Lives Matter event. Go to that. You know, invite me to go with you. Better yet. You, know, you got people that look like me next to you. Ask, invite them. Hey, will you go with me to this Blue Lives Matter? I don't even know if that's an official organization, but you understand what I mean. You know, we got to cross the barriers that so much get built. We got to tear them down because that's the power of the cross. And that means for all of us that we got to wake up every once in a while at 2.30 in the morning. And then, let's look forward to that awards banquet. 
and we, we hear and we see with Jesus what he has accomplished in and through us. The, the impact and the ways that that brought change that were more and more like the ways of his kingdom. The ways that that brought glory. The ways that that brought joy to Jesus because his people were living according to the power of the cross. Conquering fear. Being brave. Making his kingdom real, not just an idea. To whom much is given, much is required. The battle is upon us. Let us be ready and let's fight it. So that Jesus might be glorified and we might join with him on that day to come. Amen.